from Hamilton for a couple of different reasons. This is going to be a theater hour for you. We're going to talk about remembering the Alamo with the neo-futurists coming up. And we are going to talk a little million-dollar quartet from the theater at the center in Munster, Indiana. But first, Miguel Cervantes asked a question during tonight's debate with Lori Lightfoot and Tony Preckwinkle about the theater community in Chicago, which is so strong. And Hamilton has really struck a chord with our nation's students because it embodies what great history education is all about, bringing the past to life and fostering connections with the exceptional individuals and moments that have made us who we are. So we want to introduce you to the Hamilton Education Program and a remarkable woman. The music you're hearing is, of course, from Hamilton, and I'm so excited to have on the air with us Lois McMillan. She is the Hamilton Education Program Senior Education Fellow. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. I like the word senior since I'm approaching the age of 60. I'm going to be 60 soon and been a classroom teacher for 30 years. So senior is a good word. (laughs) We're so excited. Do you know how much Chicago loves Hamilton? I just have to ask you that first, Lois. Well, absolutely. I mean, when uh, we're going... Going into the city, we travel around to the different tour cities and have a Title I high schools come to the matinee after the kids have done student performances. And the student performances in Chicago just blow us away every single time. So absolutely, you know, Chicago's in love with Hamilton. The Hamilton Education Program is one of several history education programs at the Gilder Lerman Institute of American History. Now, your president, James Basker, devised the education program in New York in tandem with Lin-Manuel Miranda's producer, Jeffrey Seller, the Rockefeller Foundation, and the New York Department of Education. The project has been called Transformative, Lois, so tell us about it. Well, the brainchild, uh, uh, there's a great deal with uh, James Basker has been part of it, but we have a senior education person named Sasha Roland Pereira, and she's really the one that had the New York thing going with uh, Tim, our senior educator, too, but it's Sasha's vision that she saw Hamilton within the classrooms of New York, and then it, we expanded it uh, through all the tour cities. So, uh, And the, the idea was is that we saw that Hamilton was transformative already in the classroom. For the minute it was at the, uh, before it was on Broadway, I was teaching it in the classroom even then. And uh, from then, we saw great a great deal of expansion in electricity that kids are walking in and they want to know history now. And it's not just about the old white guys anymore. They really saw a whole other angle. When Manuel Miranda brought, uh, brought us kids excited and hip-hop history ready to learn about the founding era in American history. What I found so amazing, Lois, is that I learned so much about Hamilton when I went. Things I didn't even know about Alexander Hamilton and the Founding Fathers. So it makes perfect sense to bring this to students, especially students in Chicago. Chicago is one of the touring cities. Right. And I and I, not only that, uh, you know, if you just go to the play and you learn a whole bunch more about Hamilton and Jefferson and what was happening in the founding era. But you also if the students do the curriculum and that's what they do and they create performance pieces, they also learn of other founding era giants that they had never heard of. And many of them were African-Americans that wanted to have the abolition of slavery even at the at the beginning of the founding era and at the Constitutional Convention. And great poets like Phyllis Wheatley, we've seen a lot of performances on her. So it's not just the people in the founding era like Jefferson and Hamilton and Washington. Uh, we're seeing also an expansion from that, the other great literary figures in American history during the founding era. 
What's really great about this program, too, it empowers students to kind of reclaim their own narrative and empowers teachers to bridge classroom learning with the stage. Well, and, and from a classroom st- standpoint, you're seeing kids that would not appear in the classroom to really flower, and they're, they are blossoming. The shy kid is the one getting on and just killing a rap, or or the other kid that just has poetry inside of them, and, and, and they get up and they perform it. So we're seeing just an explosion of talent within the classroom that we wouldn't regularly see. I had the opportunity to attend uh, one of the events from the Hamilton Education Program the year before. I found it so interesting. The students were so passionate and just became very, <laughs> they were so emotional. You know, it brought tears to some of the students' eyes that they were able to get out on the stage and interact with the actors and bring their own form of prose and poetry to Broadway and Chicago and to our stages here in the Windy City. Well, what's fun about going even to every city, not just Chicago, but to every city we go to, the kids are so into the play. They're not like the theater-going, proper uh, theater-going person. They are into it. They know all the lines. And when their fellow students get up, they have such respect and give them such support when they get up. So it is it is it is a wonderful marriage of of uh shifting goodness to the people that are on the stage and they're receiving all the love from their fellow uh students. It has to make you feel really good from your experience in the Hamilton Education Program. It has to make you feel so good that you're kind of passing this on to the to the next generation after yours and mine. Yeah, our generation, I'm, I'm, I, I was a child of the 70s, but my generation had nothing like this. I mean, I think we had Camelot, uh, but <laughs> it just, <laughs> but, and of course, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was a huge fan of Camelot. That's where he got the ideas. So uh, he was a Broadway kid, and uh, a lot of us might have seen it, but he's, I, uh, Jim Basker calls him the Shakespeare of our time. He has really opened up an ability to teach children differently in the classroom. I, I can't say enough about how great it is. And I'm told uh, that I'm speaking to a Grammy winner as well. <laughs> yeah. well <laughs> tell me, tell I me. I don't have any uh, musical talent, but what I do is make sure that I, I foster it within all my students, and that's what I got it for. I got a Grammy. It's called the Jane Ortner Award. It's the nationally recognized teacher of the year that brings music in the classroom that is a non-music classroom. And I teach American history, so I've been using music in the classroom for a long time. But I really particularly got it for the historical raps that my kids did. And, you know, you're from Chicago. Uh, last year, my kids did the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. In rap with uh, Stephen Douglas, the other great Douglas, uh, or the second great Douglas, the first great Douglas in my mind is Frederick Douglas, but yes. uh, Douglas and Lincoln, and my kids learned and read all the speeches from the seven places that they went around in uh, Illinois, and uh, they they learned the geography, Oregon kids learned the geography of Illinois pretty quickly through the debates. <laughs> I love it, I love it, and, and, and that's huge for us here in Illinois, the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and of course, Lincoln, our state founding father. I'm a huge Lincoln person, so that's where my scholarship really always extends, that and Frederick Douglass, so those are my two big ones, and I think kids think that I'm Hamilton. Hamilton has been <laughs> my uh, historical boyfriend for a long time, and and uh, but I saw a long time ago, like in 2004, 2005, that he w- just wasn't written in the textbooks at all. I mean, the only thing they did is have a picture of him with the Secretary of Treasury as the Secretary of Treasury. Nobody knew anything about him. And then a couple of books came out, one of them being Ron Chernow's Hamilton, 
And I said, this is a way to get it in the classroom. So when I'd introduce the founding era, I would say, oh, i got a boyfriend. His name's Alexander Hamilton. And <laughs> they go, oh, my goodness, you know, he's dead. And I go, you know, those dead boyfriends seem to behave better. <laughs> That's so, right. Uh, they don't talk back to you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. But, uh, you know, and then they find out that he, he did uh, cheat on his wife. And then they say, you know, mm. um, <laughs> what do you think about that, Miss Mack? And I go, well, you know, people are human. And that was really a way to bring humanity to Hamilton. But Hamilton was a genius. There's no doubt about it, just like Lin-Manuel Miranda is. But, you know, he was the man who invented modern America. He deserves a Broadway show. I would love to see Lincoln (laughs) on stage. Oh, Maybe that could be well, your next is. your next project. <laughs> well, no, the, there there is there was a wonderful play on in London, and it ran for forty years straight on Lincoln, and they bungled Lincoln's biography up pretty good. So most people think the second inaugural of Lincoln and the Gettysburg Address is one speech, according to that play. So oh. it's pretty historically inaccurate. But boy, we we they do have a Lincoln. And it could come to Broadway, but it would it would be slammed for being historically inaccurate. Well, <laughs> I tell you, I, I would I would still love to see it. Maybe 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 a few years down the road after a few more Grammy wins. Oh, it's fun to see. I've seen. I've I've read the I've read the script, and it's just hysterical. Oh, it's that's just wonderful. That is great. So. Where, where do you keep the Grammy? I have to ask this. I do on my on my uh, my uh, my fireplace right there at the top uh, below a statue, a Greek statue. So uh, oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> founding father of Greece, so, founding father yeah, of America. Well, so it works yeah, out well. I, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Lois, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Please, and, and tell us, tell us you'll continue with the Hamilton Education Program uh, and bring, keep bringing this program to Chicago so students here can le- learn from it and they can see Hamilton on the stage and keep creating their own passion. Well, we'll be uh, there in May again, and we'll be bringing uh, around 42 schools. So we're really excited about bringing Hamilton back to Chicago, and and we'll see the kids just blow us out of the water again. You bet. Lois, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome, and have a great evening. <laughs> you too. That's Lois McMillan, the Senior Education Fellow from the Hamilton Education Program, and uh, we didn't miss our shot. How about that, Lois? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 924, 720, WGN. I love when the neo-futurists are in studio with us. There's a production playing now through April 27th at the Neo-Futurist Theater. It is called Remember the Alamo, and we have the creator of Remember the Alamo and one of the cast members as well, Nick Hart and Kurt Chang are here. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you for being here tonight. You're welcome. All right, I, I love when the neo futurists are here. It's one of my favorite theaters, and I want you to tell everybody about Remember the Alamo. Absolutely. So the the first thing is that I'm not in the cast. I directed it. I know. I yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I thought you were saying <laughs> that I was one of the cast members. And you're not. You're just. You're the director. Yeah. That's yeah, like the awesome, most important cool, awesome. part. You know, that's the most important part, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And the writer too. Yeah. Writer creator. Cool. Um. So remember the remember the Alamo is Nick's premiere primetime show at the Neo Futurists. Mm-hmm. Um. It is a show where Nick has taken the Battle of the Alamo, and he's brought it into the theater, into the Neo Futurarium, and exploded it in a way, and brought all the cast, all the historical figures of that. Uh, time of that event, like Davy Crockett and James Bowie and mm-hmm. William B. Travis, and he's telling his own personal narrative, personal stories through uh, this historical event that 
is known in America and not much of anywhere else. Well, yeah, and, and maybe not even known to a newer generation. You're kind of exposing this to now. Why the Alamo? Why this particular event in our history? Uh, well, I, I grew up in Texas. Uh, so growing up in Texas, uh, the story is kind of uh, forced upon you since you're a fetus. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a story that's always uh, been with me and, and fascinated me and and taught to me over and over again. And uh, it's always stayed with me. And yeah. So I, I wanted to explore its origins along it, with my own. Is there some humor in this too? Or is this just straightforward history? This is what you're going to be hearing, which ties in well with Hamilton, our, our first part of the show. Uh I think there might be some humor in it. There's an extraordinary um, amount of humor. <laughs> Thank Nick. you. Kurt. There's an extraordinary <laughs> amount of humor. Um, there's like it's a lot of it. A lot of it is actually Im- uh, is improvised and very spontaneous at at the moment of mm-hmm. the performance. Um, yeah. The cast is made up of five different performers. Um, the audience, when they come to see it, sees like various scenes throughout that are. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like reenacting like or reimagining what Davy Crockett's life might have been like hunting in the woods for bears or what brought certain characters to the Alamo um what did bring a- them there i mean don't give too much away but what did sure. bring I, and i've been to the alamo i've been to san antonio i i, I think the alamo is very cool but what brought the our the settlers there uh i think uh, it's an american story where uh uh expats uh came to a new land and wanted that land <laughs> and uh they fought for it uh i think that's a that's that's a loose uh blanket statement but also it's not true. a very big parcel of land uh it, at the time it was a huge parcel of land uh and now uh, it's not now it's very small yeah it's just a tiny little tiny little fort what uh, happened to it what happened to all the land uh well in the battle of the alamo uh the entire fort was destroyed and they were all massacred and all that's left is a small facade of a church and we have fun with that and we I love bet, it. yeah <laughs> and how do you well, i was just how do you make that fun but I'm, I'm sure there's you know creative ways of doing that well i think we're pretty irreverent with it like the point of the show isn't necessarily to tell like to give like a really in-depth history lesson of what happened um nick is using it uh as kind of like like a playground to sort of talk about all kinds of things mm-hmm. uh his like his your own family life um oh, so it's a little autobiographical own, a little bit all, yeah everything yeah. we do at the neo-futurist is like is primarily auto- autobiographical and we write from like our own stories in our own life yeah I think that makes it much more human, too. We're talking to Kurt Chang and Nick Hart with the new futurist new Remember the Alamo. It's now playing through April 27th. We'll have more with the guys and more about the theater and the play after this on 720 WGN. I promise you this this would be a theater hour, and it is indeed. Vivian Lanou, thank you so much for all your help tonight. Our new producer, we love you very much. I love you guys. Happy Greek Independence Day. That's right, Opa. Zito Zito We were at the Daily Center today for a little uh, ceremony going on there. We could see the beautiful Greek flag flying next to the Chicago flag and the American flag. So thank you as always, Vivian. Thank you. We, uh, as I promised you, it was going to be a theater hour. In studio, I have Tommy Malov and Zach Saro. They are the stars of Million Dollar Quartet Theater at the center in Munster, Indiana. If you haven't seen 
this production and this performance, you have to see it. You just have until March 31st. Tickets are still available for the last week of Million Dollar Quartet. It's theateratthecenter.com. Tommy and Zach, thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. And you played Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley. That's right. All right, you're going to be playing for us, too, to round out the show, a couple of songs. But I want to ask you guys, this is such a popular and amazing performance. What do you attribute the success of Million Dollar Quartet to all over the years? Whether someone's seeing it for the first time or for the tenth time, because I've seen it twice. Uh, I think in in simplest terms, yeah, the the music just never gets old. Uh, it's it was so transformative in rock and music history. It, it was so the songs are still so good. It's just you know these guys are are you know for us to be able to play them. It's just fun being in the room. You know yeah. the, the show. It, it it doesn't feel like. Uh, like a lot of other music, like musicals, it feels like we're just four dudes who are just playing their music and loving having a great time in the same space. What is it like playing rock legends? I mean, you are playing Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. What is that like? <laughs> uh, do you want to take? That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, it's, lean on into that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's a little intimidating, like just at first at first glance because. They are so iconic, and they're so you know. There's there's almost an expectation, um, at, at least initially as an actor. Like you kind of go into it like, oh, like I gotta, I gotta. These are big shoes to fill. But yeah. then, uh, especially when you approach it the way our director Daryl Brooks had told us to look at it, just like they are people. Yeah. Um, these are people like hanging out, and they were friends, and they were kids. Like looking yeah, at it kind of at definitely. this lens, like this Million Dollar Quartet takes place when they're all like. Basically, like, 24 right. under. Yeah. And John is, what, 24? 24. Elvis is 21. Yeah. I think uh, Jerry Lee Lewis is still 19, 19 yeah. when the show takes place. And is it is, is it based on a true yeah. story? Where there, it's one, is it one night where they all are coming together, they're all in the same recording studio? Yeah, kind it was of like, That's so cool. Complete, yeah, the coincidence of a day where the four of them happened to be in the Sun studio at the same time. Uh, and all the fates were aligned. Yeah. For, really, though. Um, and, you know, Sam Phillips, who was their, you know, producer, the guy who, you know, ran Sun Studios at the time, uh, was just like, let's roll the tape. And you guys just do, you know, do what you do. All right. four of you are here. So we'll just, we're just going to record. And they just played together. And so the, you know, the show is a sort of dramatic retelling of this actual day that took place where these legends were all together in the same room at the same time. And, and it never happened again. No, I was going to say, and that didn't really happen back in the day. I know now we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony mm-hmm. and bands reunite or groups come together. And of course, you know, different artists collaborate. But for, for this particular time to get four legends in the same recording studio in the same room at the same time that was kind of unheard of yeah and there's a lot of touring i mean they they would ride they would ride together and especially like as they began getting their like getting on their feet and getting out there there would be a lot of uh of touring together like carl and 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 johnny would be on a show together okay, or, yeah. or what yeah, have and, you and before before elvis really kind of like took off i mean the johnny cash carl perkins and elvis presley they toured together like this you know they these were guys who knew each other like they they knew and played together all the time but their careers had you know kind of taken off in their individual directions and so this sort of completely spontaneous happenstance meeting of these 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 rock stars all at the same time like that that kind of thing doesn't really happen where it's like oh hey 
didn't think you would be here. Yeah. Let's let's you know make you know rock history together today. Yeah, yeah. For no reason. Right. You're going into the voice. I hear. I hear it oh, already. It's, well, I often can't help it. Now. I hear it already. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you guys play for us? It's Tommy Maloff who plays Johnny Cash and Zach Sorrow who plays Elvis Presley. It's Million Dollar Quartet at Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line mm-hmm. I find it very, very easy to be true I find myself alone when each day is through Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you Because you're mine, I walk the line Mm -hmm. As sure as night is dark and day is light I keep you on my mind both day and night And happiness I've known proves that it's right Because you're mine, I walk the line You've got a way to keep me on your side You give me cause for love that I can't hide For you I know I'd even try to turn the tide Because you're mine, I walk the line Take it away, John. Thanks, Al. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine I walk the line Because you're mine I walk the line Because you're mine I walk the line it's Tommy Mallet, it's Johnny Cash, and Zach Sorrow, Elvis Presley. I have to ask, okay, the the voice, were you always a Johnny Cash fan, or did, did you play him and think, okay, this is the role <laughs> yeah, of a lifetime for me? Oh, man. No, because, yeah. you know, because your voice, you got the voice down just beautifully, and it's such a low... Uh, you know, it's a low chord, an oh, alto, a true alto. Over there. Yeah, I thought I'd appreciate. All right, so as much. truth, truth. I I was not a big Johnny Cash fan growing up. I hated him actually, and I. That's grew interesting. Up, really, I, I grew up with a, a diehard love of sixties music, mostly like British Invasion, Beatles, um, like Monkeys. Like my dad totally got me into that music scene. So I mean, I loved. I had a love for Elvis because obviously he was the king. But like the whole rockabilly kind of country thing wasn't my jam. And it wasn't until I auditioned for another Johnny Cash show 
assuming that I wasn't even going to play Johnny. I assumed like I'd be someone else in the band. And they're like, well, we're going to be going for this. And so like after having done it and delved a little bit into it, that's when I, you know, I got to experience a little bit more of yeah. his um, canon and, uh, you know, the the audience response helped uh, making people happy didn't hurt. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Well, you, you just you nail the sound because nice. I was kind of like my grandma used to listen to Johnny Cash with her eight track and I never really liked it. Yeah. Then I saw Walk the Line yeah. and just fell in love. And my, one yeah. of my best friends has her ringtone as Walk the Line still yeah. to this day. So and that was really the thing, too. I think once really delving into his story, I think there was a little bit of an aversion to like just the the initially to his to the to his dark side but then like it wasn't really until going into research to finding out about his relationships with elvis with carl um he was i mean uh, johnny cash you know all these guys were but you know they each had such an important role to play in the history of Of music of music in general yeah Yeah. zach were you an elvis fan you play elvis were did you like the music did you think this is the role of a lifetime or were you kind of like along the tommy lines of Uh, you had to learn to like johnny cash sort of i mean uh i never appreciated elvis to the extent that i did once once i started to you know Play, play and try to try to understand. I mean, yeah, and actually, Tommy and I were both involved in a production uh, last year called Heartbreak Hotel. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And I actually understudied the role of Elvis, so I had a little. Uh, I actually had a, a chance to play the you know put put on the the proverbial blue suede shoes. Uh, <laughs> nice. You know, once before this production, so it was really really cool to get to like really dive in, um, really go like like all the way into figuring out like who Elvis was, who was he at twenty one, um, and I just I. I love it. I love all his music. It's you know the, those early years of of the real like Sun Records experimentation where yeah. where Elvis and uh, you know Scotty Moore and Bill Black on bass like they yeah. were they were they were pioneers as far as like new music is concerned. So the, yeah. those records where they they didn't really know what the heck they were doing and they and came both, out with gold. Both had such long careers too. They they mm-hmm. had to re. I know Elvis at a younger yeah. younger age, but they both had to reinvent themselves throughout oh, yeah. their careers too with the yeah. changing times and the different sounds. Sure, absolutely. And I mean the the in, most interesting thing to me about Elvis is that he was the first person to ever be that famous yeah. that quickly. You know, like and spanning generations too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he at nineteen. I mean, I think about who I was and how I knew myself. When I was 19, right, and I didn't know anything. Yeah. I knew nothing about myself in the world, and so I can't imagine what it was like to be Elvis's age at 19 in the world that you know he grew up in, and to be thrown into the spotlight in that way. I mean, it, it's yeah. th- there. It's you know the the way that his life ended was was very sad, but it came in with so many incredible twists and turns that yeah. you know n- nobody could have ever seen coming. You know before it happened. It's amazing, and yeah. you guys are wonderful. We play another song for us. All right, all right. Do you need insist. a break, or can you do? You, can you start? Can you well, do it now? There we go. There we go. We can pull song out. Talking about pros here. It's Tommy Mel of his Johnny Cash and Zach Sarah was Elvis Presley. It's Million Dollar Quartet Theater at the Center in Munster, Indiana. Again, one more week. It closes Sunday, so get your tickets. Theater at the Center. dot com. Take it away, guys. Well, you know I can be found Sitting home all alone If you can't come around Well, at least please telephone Don't be cruel To a heart that's true Baby, if I made you mad 
There was something I might have said Please let's forget the past And the future looks bright ahead Don't be cruel To a heart that's true I don't want no other love Baby, it's just you I'm thinking of Well, don't you stop thinking of me Don't you make me feel this way Come on over here and love me Well, you know what I want you to say Don't be cruel To a heart that's true Why should we be apart? I really love you, baby, cross my heart Well, let's walk up to the preacher And let us say I do Come on, baby Oh, then you'll know you'll have me And I'll know that I'll have you Don't be cruel To a heart that's true Why should we be apart? I really love you, baby, cross my heart Don't be cruel to a heart that's true Don't be cruel to a heart that's true Come on now well, I don't want no other love Baby, it's just you I'm thinking of Tommy Malum's Johnny Cash. That was Zach Sauer, you heard, as Elvis Presley. Give us a call, 312-981-7200. The theater has generously donated three pairs of tickets. So if you want to give us, if you want to see the show, these guys are awesome. Someone's texting in. They said they saw the performance when it first came out. You guys are a knockout. And that's in all caps from the 773. And they said Ms. Williams was also a knockout, too. Yes. So congratulations to you. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. And good luck in the rest of the run. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Again, it's theateratthecenter.com. Give us a call 312-981-7200 if you would like a pair of tickets. Three callers, one, two, and three to go see the show. Patty Vasquez coming up next. You guys, thank you so much. More after this on WGN. (laughs) <laughs> Patty Vasquez is in studio. What's going on, Patty? My crosstalk is I want to make sure that the uh, guys from Million Dollar Quartet have a chance to do a shout-out to the rest of their castmates. Yes. Go ahead, you guys. Oh, just wanted to say it is one of the greatest pleasures of my young professional life to work with Zach Stevenson and Mike Karowski and Ariel Williams. They are just fabulously talented and phenomenal players they're, they're amazing players so talented we're you know we're not in the room with them right now but god it is a pleasure to be on stage with them every night. Is that the knockout? Oh yeah. In all caps. Oh Ms. yes. Williams. Okay. Oh, she's, she's the most fantastic Diane you're ever going to see. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank I you. couldn't let we them leave. It. They were outside. I'm glad you did. I know. Because we watch. Okay. So the the back the backstory of the hosts. We watch the clock and then we get yelled at if we're late. You don't want to be late for news, but I, I'm guilty of it. And I gave them my uh, crosstalk, and yes. you guys were wonderful, and I wasn't going to let you leave like that because they were oh. like, oh, you know what, we forgot. Oh, so we forgot. Thank you. Of course. You guys tune in for after the news for what's coming up on my show. You guys have a great night. That was beautiful. Thank you. Have a good night, Patty. Andrea, great show. Thanks. Have a great show.